Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible handy, I want you to hold two spots, one in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and one in Luke 4. We're in part two right now of a series called Overtaken. And last week, I asked everybody the question, have you ever had a force or a feeling overtake you to the point where there was a visible change in your thinking and that led to a change in your behavior where people around you might have asked you what has gotten into you because they're seeking an explanation for this hidden process and this hidden force or this hidden feeling that has kind of overtaken your spirit, which is leading you to do stuff that they cannot explain. And that is the exact question, what has gotten into you, that was asked of the first followers and believers in Jesus who were filled with the Holy Spirit. People said, what has gotten into them? Now, Jesus, as we learned last time, had predicted that his followers would be overtaken by the power of the Holy Spirit. It, it was a force inside that would change the way they saw themselves, the way they saw, they saw their purpose, the way they saw where they should put their energy. And he predicted it that it would literally rock their personal world and change the world, right? And now as then, what I see happening in male culture, spirit-empowered, male culture is a rush of the Holy Spirit, a wind, a violent wind, a shaking, and a fire that is consuming men who are waiting on, who are seeking, and who are experiencing that same Holy Spirit impartation that leads to a Holy Spirit ignition and change. And the people around those men are saying, what is going on with them, what has gotten into them, right? Now, this goes to our theme, overtaken. God wants to overtake your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to advance his kingdom. And he wants to set you loose in your personal world, where you live, where you where you work, where you play, where you pray. He wants to overtake you in the power of the Holy Spirit and then begin to advance his kingdom in these dimensions where you find yourself. He knows exactly what he wants to do now, just as he knew exactly what he wanted to do with those first believers and those first following men. So in part two of Overtaken, we're gonna look specifically at the first way the Holy Spirit moves through followers to advance God's purposes. And of course, we're gonna use uh, the Bible, God's word, Jesus, and the first followers of Jesus as kind of our models. And to get us thinking in the right direction, I want you to think of God's people in Egypt under the oppressive rule of Pharaoh. Now, maybe you've seen the Ten Commandments, maybe you've read the story of Exodus, or maybe it's just a familiar historical um, narrative that you're familiar with. But God's people in Egypt under the oppressive rule of Pharaoh. It's, it's a time and it's in a season for God's people uh, that is a time where they're powerless. 
It's a time where they're oppressed. It's a time where literally they're in bondage to a godless little G, right? A god, godless culture. Um, they're not serving, right? Pharaoh doesn't serve the one true God. He's a God, right? And so they're under the, the thumb of the ruler of the godless world, right? And there's oppression. It's, it's just not a place where they wanna be. They never thought that, that it would turn into this. Right, especially after coming uh, under the reign of Joseph, you know, when Joseph was the prime minister there, uh, a Hebrew serving in Pharaoh's court, and then just circumstances changed. And it be, instead of staying a friendly place, it became an oppressive place, and God's people were enslaved, all right? Egypt, okay? Now, in your life, we have our Egypt places, right? They're not the high points, they're kind of the low, depressing and oppressive points, right, on our life map, right? And just like God's people, we might have entered that, that Egypt, whether it's a relationship or a circumstance or uh, an activity, and we thought it might be good for us, you know, on the front side, and it might have started off benign, but slowly and then steadily, over time, that season, those activities, those people, those places, it starts to oppress, okay? Can I just say to everybody who's hearing me right now, every dude has got his Egypts, okay? I definitely have my places in my life that I can easily go back to in my mind and go, man, I was in bondage. I was not in control. It was attacking my soul. It was hurting people. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't a high point for me, my character, my conduct, and I wanted out. And that, that's the thing about Egypt. Uh, kind of in the narrative, biblically, but also in the spirit, that spiritual place of, man, I don't wanna be here anymore. This is not good for me. Uh, I feel oppressed, depressed, um, not alive. I'm dying. My soul is being attacked. Now, here's what we need to know as we kind of link the Holy Spirit overtaking us and working in our lives. Uh, here's a truth that we all need to come into contact with. Without Christ, okay, without the power of God, right, in place, Every person without God that you know, without Jesus, is living in spiritual Egypt, all right? They're under the Pharaoh of this world, according to the Bible, right? That's Satan, the devil. And the forces that he uses to keep them under his control, which is the spirit of culture or the world and their flesh. So you've got the unholy trinity, as it were, right? <laughs> you've got Satan, you've got the spirit of the world, and then you have the agent of expression, which is our flesh. And that is spiritual Egypt. And God, just like he wanted to set his people free from a physical Egypt and release them, God wants all people 
to experience release and freedom from spiritual Egypt, from the oppression and lies and deceit and injustice of living under the world, under the flesh, and under the devil. So everyone without Christ right, is living in a spiritual Egypt. And God has a plan, which is great, for them to experience freedom and experience release. And he has a plan to do it in your personal context, right? Your life, where you live, where you work, where you pray, where you play. You know what his plan is? You. So here's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna look back at the Egypt scenario with God's people. Right, just as a template, as a roadmap. We're gonna assess what, what, what went on there. We're gonna see God's heart and energy to set people free. And then we're gonna look at his solution for people being held captive. And we pick up the story in Exodus 3, uh, and that's the passage um, I told you to kind of hold. Uh, and then Exodus 13, we're also gonna read a couple passages. So let's, let's start in Exodus 3. God said, I've taken a good long look at the affliction of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries for deliverance from their slave masters. I know all about their pain. And now I have come down to help them, pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, get them out of that country and bring them to a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey. So. You see that, that God sees his people. He sees their desire not to want to be there in that, in that place. And they're crying out to God uh, in that situation. And then you see what's going on there, and it's characterized by pain, right? They feel like they're in the grip of something, and they just they can't break free. They don't have the power to literally physically, they are in need of deliverance. And God is saying, all right, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna come. I'm gonna loosen that grip. I'm gonna get them out of Egypt and then bring them to a space and a realm that is wide open. See the contrast? People in a grip, right? Controlled, oppressed, versus being in a, a space that is wide open and free and full of blessing, right? So that's Exodus chapter three. That's God just sharing his heart about people who are held captive in, in Egypt. And then in Exodus chapters four through 12, it is, it is just this wild process that leads to one and a half to two million people being released. Imagine this, right? We're seeing right now in the world refugees leaving Ukraine and going into neighboring countries. And it's, it's in the numbers right now of about 2 million. Well, imagine you have um, uh, one and a half, two million people in, in, in a country and then God moves and he does all these wild signs to just basically bring the Pharaoh of Egypt to his knees, right? He's got this, this, this community, this massive population of people enslaved and building monuments to himself. It's his labor force, right? And God just goes, that's it. I'm coming in. And 
That's what happens in Exodus 4 through 12 that just brings Pharaoh to his needs, signs, wonders, plagues, fire, um, miracles to show that God means business. And he's using a man to do it. So that happens. God liberates his people from Egypt. And then here's the reflection of Moses, right? to the people who just got set free. Listen to what it says in Exodus 13, verse three. It says, Moses said to the people, always remember this day. This is the day when you came out from a house of slavery. God brought you out of here with a powerful hand, right? So a day of deliverance is a pretty big marker in the story of God's people and and how it's how it's kind of structured is you were in a house of slavery and then God brought you out through his power and his mighty hand. So let's let's just unpack that simply, all right? Number 1, what do you see? You see people afflicted. So there's people in a house of slavery. I want you to think about that. Remember earlier I said Everyone around you who is without Christ is in a spiritual Egypt, okay? They might be in the honeymoon phase of that, just like God's people had a honeymoon phase in Egypt, and then that honeymoon phase turned very oppressive, and they became enslaved, all right? So whether you're there in the honeymoon phase, headed to slavery, or maybe they're enslaved by the world, the flesh, and the devil, everyone you know without Christ, they're afflicted and in a house of slavery, and that's what we see here. Secondly, we see a God who says, enough, right? He hears their moans, he hears their cries, he, he, he sees the pain, he sees they're stuck, he sees their inability to change their situation on their own power, right? And so we see a God who's just like, all right, that's it, enough, okay? Third, we see a man is chosen and sent. Now, we didn't address that particular story. That's another study. But God chooses a man, and he sends a man to be the agent of his deliverance of people. Okay? Very important. And then lastly, we see a day of rescue and release. Captives are released. People in a grip, the grip is loosened. And they now get to leave that country, that Egypt. Okay? So when you look at just the structural kind of dynamics of what's going on, people afflicted, God says enough, God, God chooses a man and sends him. And then there's a day of rescue and release. Now, I think you can smell what I'm stepping in. All right, this is the pattern. God wants people set free from any kind of slavery, right? Any kind of oppression, right? That leads to harm in their relationships with God, people, or life, right? Could be a physical slavery, but for our purposes, for this study, People are spiritually enslaved without Christ, and they need rescue, all right? Now, the Bible calls your salvation, my salvation experience, a rescue 
from being a captive. And we see that language in Colossians chapter one, verses 13 and 14 says this, God rescued us, might wanna circle that if you have the downloaded notes, from dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the son he loves so much. The son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. So we see that there is this spiritual Egypt that we were in before. It was a dead end, a cul-de-sac spiritually. It was a dungeon. It was a place of, of captivity. It was a pit of self and sin and Satan. And we were powerless until God sent his son who delivered and rescued us. And he set us up in this new place of spiritual freedom and release. We're out of the pit, we're out of the dead end alley, we're out of the dark dungeon. And aren't you glad? I am so glad, hallelujah, amen. Thank you, Jesus, All right, amen. Man, we could just have a worship service right now on that. But this goes to who God is, what God did, bringing us out of spiritual slavery from the world, the flesh, and the devil to a place of spiritual freedom, right? And it goes to how he wants to use us and what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us, all right? So now let's go into, let's connect the dots, all right? So we've very clearly seen that when people are afflicted and oppressed and enslaved, God wants them set free. We've concluded that everyone without Christ is in a place like we were in before believing in Christ, right? It's a dead end alley, a dark dungeon, a place of captivity, of sin, Satan, and selfishness that may have started off fun, not fun anymore. It always leads to death and harm, right? And what we're seeing now is that God's fight for us, right, now becomes our fight for others, right? Our deliverance becomes our purpose of being deliverers and setters free of people. Now, in Deuteronomy 10, actually this is the verse I told you to hold a spot for, um, you see God helping his people sort of look at their own deliverance and how he wants them to process it and then turn it into a purpose. Okay, I want you to listen in to Deuteronomy 10, verses 17 to 21. For the Lord your God is a God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens. For you yourselves were aliens in Egypt. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Right? So kind of processing, hey, this happened to you. I'm the person who authored that. This was your experience. This is who I am. What's my response? Well, I'm to reproduce that 
in my relationships and in my environments and with the people that are around me because I saw and experienced and witnessed it myself. So God's in essence saying, you're going to pay this deliverance forward in the way that you relate to people. So let's unpack that very simply. All right, the first thing we see as God is asking his people to process their own deliverance and turn it into a purpose, we see a strong God who fights for others' freedom. Not just his own people, but everybody. Listen to what it says. For the Lord your God is God of gods, right? Big G, little g, and Lord of lords, big L, little l. The great God, mighty and awesome, listen, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. So very simply, a simple reading goes, wow, there's a great, a great God, a mighty God, an awesome God, and his energy goes toward people, right? Not just his own people, but toward everybody. Now, just pause and think about everybody that's around you. Black, white, brown, whatever color they are, wherever they work, you know, that strong God who fights for others' freedom, he lives in you. The second thing we see is a strong God who wants all captives released. In the Deuteronomy 10 passage in verse 18, it says, he defends the cause, listen to these categories, of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien giving him food and clothing. So what do you see? What are the common denominators between the fatherless, the widow, and the alien? Well, they're vulnerable, they're trapped, and they're in need, and they're controlled by circumstances outside their control, which oppresses. Okay, and we can very safely add to that, that the world, the flesh, and the devil compound that and make it a triple dog oppression. It's not just the circumstances, but it's the messaging of the circumstances. It's the perception that they're of themselves that their circumstances give to them, where they feel less than, they don't feel dignity, they don't feel worth. Not only are they alone, but their, their circumstances are telling them a lie that this is who you are, right? You're alone, right? You're not worthy, you're in the margins right? You're fatherless. You're a widow. You're an alien. You don't belong, right? God has a tremendous heart for people trapped in spiritual Egypts like that, fatherlessness, single moms, people experiencing loss, people who feel like they're alone because they just, they're just not like everybody else, or they're not they don't belong, an alien. And you, you don't have to be from a foreign country to be an alien. You can be a, an alien you know, in your own social network. So you see God's heart. We see a, a strong God who, who defends the cause of these people who feel vulnerable, trapped, and they're in a circumstance outside their control, and that circumstance is messaging them lies about their dignity and their worth. Mm, man, 
You just let the paint dry on that one, guys. I would, I would venture to guess, just knowing sociology, that there's probably 70, 80% of people around you. You know, they're letting their circumstances like this define their self-perception, their worth. They're in circumstances that, that are beyond their control. And the messaging of those circumstances by the devil uh, is, is harming their perception. It's attacking their worth. It's attacking their, their soul. And God wants to set them free. Third, we see a strong God who delivered me. Listen to how God just kind of turns the crank on them. He says, and you are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves. We're aliens in Egypt, right? So once again, he's reflecting back on, hey, you were just like them and you are just like them. Okay, even though you're mine, right? You, have, you know how it feels to be an alien somewhere, out of control, oppressed, and feeling very alone and undignified, all right? So you should be the number one um, people, right? You should be loving those people who felt and feel right now the same way you felt before I jumped in and then I rescued you, right? So God is speaking directly to them and their rescue, he says, repurposes their lives right? They experience rescue and they experience redemption and release from God. Now that experience repurposes them and then all of a sudden they become ambassadors of the same to people who, who feel now like they felt. Okay, so I think you get the picture. Fourth, we see a strong God who wants me to reflect him in my actions, all right? In this passage, God goes on to say, Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths or your commitments in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw in your own eyes. When the Bible, when God says to his people who've experienced his rescue, all right, now you're going to make commitments in his name. Well, what, what's his name? Well, he's Yahweh, the one who delivers. He's their deliverer to them. He's their rescuer. He's their deliverer. And so now it's, you make commitments in his name. It means in his character and in his conduct that reflects his character. So we now make new commitments based on our experience in his name, in his character, and we see his character expressed in conduct, and his character and conduct went toward me, and he delivered me, and now he wants me to reflect his character and conduct in my actions as a delivered one, as a released one. I now work to reflect him and how I relate to other people right? So we make commitments in his name. God went to work on our behalf. He's the God who delivers people, and those delivered people become deliverers like God. Now, that's the backdrop of God, the Egypt experience, 
how the Egypt experience is a template for our salvation experience, our rescue spiritually from spiritual oppression and spiritual Egypt, right? And now we see this strong God who fights for us, who wants all captives released, who, want, who delivered me, and who wants me to reflect him in my actions. And so now we connect the dots to our life filled and empowered by his Holy Spirit who delivered us, right? So now how does God wanna set us loose in our world? And we see God's heart uh, to deliver in Jesus when he announces what his mission is, right? We see him announce his mission in Luke 4, 18 and 19. This is what Jesus says. Now just lean in on the connection between the Holy Spirit and Jesus's mission. Jesus announces his mission this way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So what do we see? I mean, we see the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus and he says, the spirit of the Lord's on me, all right? So now what, what does that mean? Well, that means people are gonna get set free. That means people are gonna be delivered. That means trapped people, okay? Whether they're trapped in poverty, spiritual poverty, physical poverty, they're trapped in blindness, physical blindness or spiritual blindness, right? Whether they're captive to the world, they're prisoners, literal, physical, um, spiritual, right? They're gonna get set free. The people that I'm gonna come in contact with, my mission is a setting free, captive, releasing mission. Now, this goes to exactly who the Holy Spirit is. And that's, this is a real important thing because all believers, the Bible says, once you believe in the person and work of Christ, God's Spirit is deposited in you. Well, what kind of spirit, what kind of, what's the nature and personality and mission of the Holy Spirit? Well, we read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Right? It says this, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, hello, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces, that's us, reflect, there's that word, reflect, reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when we look at Jesus declaring what happens when He's overtaken by the Holy Spirit, and then we read about the nature of the Holy Spirit. What we see is this picture of release, freedom, God in a man, on mission, people around him, and people who are connecting with him and encountering him are encountering the whole Holy Spirit, and there's this, this dynamic power of, of being set free. And that we're, as believers, as we read in the Second Corinthians passage, we're being transformed into Jesus's likeness, the one 
who delivers and rescues and sets us free. So it's all kind of coming together. So from Jesus' declaration of his Holy Spirit mission, what do we learn about ourselves and our own mission? Number one, people around me without Jesus are in spiritual bondage. So Jesus had the Holy Spirit upon him. He would go to people. He would deposit his spirit on them. They would be set free. Okay, so Jesus recognized that truth. People around him were in spiritual bondage. People around us are in spiritual bondage without Christ. Second, people who encounter Jesus are set free. Jesus did that. Jesus declared his mission, then he delivered his mission. Okay, the Holy Spirit on him worked through him. The Holy Spirit on us works through us. All right, which goes to the next fill-in. People who encounter me encounter the power of Jesus himself. The Bible says that you're filled with the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Okay, so that same Jesus, uh, the same power that filled Jesus when he touched the leper, the same power of Jesus when he healed the, the Syrophoenician woman, the same power that flowed out of Jesus, right, to cast out the demon, the demoniac, the Gerasene demoniac, the power of Jesus to calm like uh, the waters when he's with his guys in the boat, the power of Jesus that took a dead body and then made it come alive. That power, yes, that is the very power that is inside of you. And so people who encounter you can encounter the power of Jesus. And then lastly, people can be set free, set free through Jesus in me. Holy Spirit of Christ inside of you, operating, partnering, your awareness that people are in bondage. Holy Spirit's mission in you is to overtake you. And when you're around people, its mission of freedom is wherever you are. His mission of freedom is wherever you are. And you're, you're the vessel. You're the carrier of that power, the carrier, the, the, the vessel that holds the precious treasure right, which is the power of God to set people free. In fact, when the Holy Spirit came upon the first men who believed, right, it turned into a movement of men filled with the Holy Spirit, setting people free from evil, from demons, from physical illnesses. I mean, it was just a spectacle, and the city of Jerusalem, you could say, became a city with spirit-empowered men who were being overtaken by the Holy Spirit, and those men overtaken by the Holy Spirit overtook the city to the point where there were these, these meetings, like what's gotten into them and what are we gonna do with them? Listen to Acts 4.16. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible because it talks about a movement of men then, which I know is happening today in our culture. There are movements of men that are gonna take over cities. Listen to these guys, they're, they're like, what are we gonna do? Uh, Acts 4, 16 says, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. Isn't that just the best statement of, a movement of men instead of 
Who are these toxically masculine men? Who are these guys who have strength but no character and compassion? Who are these guys who are buying girls and prostitutes? And who are these guys who um, are leaving their wives? And who are these guys who are violent? And who are these guys? And no, these guys now are a problem, but they're a great problem. <laughs> they're filled with the spirit of Christ and they're moving into all their contexts, their, their spaces and their places where they're walking, where they're going, where they're working, where they're living, where they're praying, where they're gathering, and they're agenting miracles, releases, freedom. You get in the picture here, what God's doing? I just wanna say to every guy who's watching this right now, that's what God is up to right now. Right? That's why here at Everyman, we're gonna be doing city transformation conferences and we need your help. We need your help. We're, we're gonna turn this loose on cities. We're gonna gather thousands of guys. We're gonna put them into some good, dangerous, good groups for, for five, six weeks. And then on week six, we're gonna release them. And this is what I would love the report to be. What are we gonna do with these guys? And the fact that miracles are breaking out across our city. Oh my gosh. God wants to do that right now through you, through your men's group, in your city, right in your context. That's the cool thing. So we're gonna end it with a question and a prayer. The question is, are you ready individually? Are you ready individually? And if you're like me, sometimes I need a prompt. I need a focus. I need to, hmm need to dial it in and that's what we're going to do right now. Okay, my team is going to put a prayer on the screen right now. And that it's just for you. I'm not going to read it. It's for you to spend a minute with God talking to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to let you do that right now. So as the Holy Spirit is moving on thousands of men right now who had a moment with him to get reset, now we're gonna, now we're gonna pray together. And this is, this is a declaration for every man listening to the sound of my voice who's, who's ready to let the Holy Spirit use him to set people free. So let's pray this prayer together. It's on the screen. Holy Spirit, I recognize your desire to deliver and set people free using me as your vessel. 
I accept. I want to be a strong and compassionate. Like God, with a heart for the captive suffering and bondage and blindness. As Jesus fought for my spiritual freedom, I accept the mission of fighting for others' freedom with your presence assuring me and anointing me for the work. Give me your eyes for the alien, the poor, the blind, the captive, and the oppressed. As I see, help me to pray. As I pray, make me willing to speak up, lift up, show up, and stand up for the ones Jesus loves and died for. Help me to forget myself and my need so that I can enter their lives and their need. I want them to know you, their deliverer, and experience new freedom. See a need today, Father, and send me in Jesus' name. And God's men said, Amen. We'll see you next week.